fired up. The snap, the put down, the swing of the leg. It is on its way. It is good! Cincinnati wins the American Championship! Here comes Bosa. Here comes the quarterback, Burrow. Looking for a block, and he got it up on the front by Hopkins into the end zone. Touchdown! What a skip! As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. It is another episode of Pardon the Punctuation. I am Aaron Smith, joined as always by the best producer in the city, Ed Mayhall and Jeffrey Howell. Uh, we also have a special guest with us this week in Justin Williams, who was our guest last week. Uh, in his absence this week, the Athletics sent uh, one Chris Vanini to fill in for uh, the Athletics' presence at the Cincinnati drubbing of the Central Florida Golden Knights. And they, they, they actually hate being called all of those things. Um, so we're going to make sure we go out of our way to do that. But, uh, Chris, thank you for joining the show, sir. Yeah, happy to uh, fill the, the big shoes that Justin leaves behind from time to time. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is kind of the second time that you've gotten to do that in what, about three days. So no big deal. Um, but first and foremost, you were here. And you were in Cincinnati, so we have to ask the pressing question. Skyline seemed to be an issue for you on Friday night as you were trying to find it. What was going on there, and how was it when you eventually found it, as we saw on your Twitter feed? Yeah, so uh, I, I get into town at 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock Friday night, and I'm like, all right, let's – down." and I'm staying downtown. And so I'm, I'm saying, hey, let's, let's see uh, – I got, I got to try the famous Skyline Chili while I'm here. I'd never been in the city before. So I, I pull up the map. I pull up the locations around me, and they're all closed. By like 5 or 6 o'clock, I was like, what? On a Friday night, these places are closed? I couldn't believe it. So, yeah, I, I, I t- <coughs> tweeted about it, tweeted my dismay over it, and a good many people told me, go to the one off of, I think, Ludlow by, by campus. Yeah. Uh, so I said, so I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do that after the game on Saturday. And I did. And it was great. I loved it. I don't What'd know. What, I got the, 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 basically the Coney dog. So I'm from Detroit, which is known for its Coney dogs. If, if you guys did not know that uh, American Coney Island, Lafayette Coney Island, there's, there's a lot of those in Detroit. So I wanted to try essentially the Cincinnati version of it. Very good. Very good. Rave reviews all around. Uh, I was told that was the best location to go to anyway. So I think I got I think I got the right experience. And then you followed that up with a little dessert. Yes. I went over to Grater's for some ice cream, which was also recommended by a good number of people. Uh, I got some cookies and cream because I was pretty full. <clears throat> it's pretty full. And uh, but I got some of that and that was really good as well so i feel like i got the full cincinnati experience uh, from a cuisine perspective after the game so i i think i i think i did what i was supposed to do the only one i didn't get to was montgomery inn and the ribs that was the one i did not get to yet uh, so maybe if i go up uh, next time i will make sure to hit that place 
Fair enough. Uh, it's, I, some people probably said La Rosa's too. Maybe uh, it's a pizza place that is local yes. here. The sauce is pretty sweet. I don't know. Some people love it. Some people oh, okay. Also, I, I did also I, I did also hit uh, Taste of Belgium for breakfast before oh, the game. Well done. Very, oh, well very done. good. That place is magical. Chicken yes, and waffles. It was very good. Did you get the chicken and waffle? I just got the regular waffle. Still good. Okay. I, I just wanted the regular waffles, but it was, it was very good. I got two of them. So well good. done. All right, so getting into what actually happened and why you were here. Cincinnati played a game. They handily took care of a UCF team that was missing an awful lot of pieces, unfortunately, for Cincinnati's strength of schedule. But you got to experience Nippert in a noon atmosphere, which isn't necessarily our best atmosphere. But it was an electric crowd. It was a sold-out crowd. And to be completely honest, there were people who did tell me that it was the loudest they had heard a day game. Uh, so what was your experience like being there at Nippert Stadium? Yeah, I, I had heard some people who are familiar with the stadium say that too, that, that it was a really loud environment for a noon game. And uh, yeah, after after the first quarter, I think, um, maybe it was the third quarter. I don't know, after one of the quarters, I, uh, I, I went walking around the concourse during the game. I, I try to do that when I travel to games just to kind of get a sense of just the atmosphere. Cause when you're up in the press box, you got usually have glass. Usually it's hard to hear what's going on out there. So I kind of want to just get a feel for what's you know really going on out there. And um, it was a cool, it's a cool stadium. Like it's obviously old and kind of packed in there, but that, that's among the steepest steps, you know, in a stadium that I've ever kind of experienced. It was almost like going down a ladder, you know, <laughs> at, at some point. So, you know, the fans are right there on top of you. They're, they're, goes up really really quickly and then I, I i that um that bridge or whatever behind one of the end zones uh that's a cool that's a real cool place to like watch a game from standing room only or something like it felt like the outfield of a baseball stadium kind of um so that was kind of cool uh and and then i gotta say one a, a low-key thing i really loved right behind the lower bowl seats on the concourse there's like a five foot gap where you're not allowed to stand. You can stand behind it and it creates that wall. It creates that pathway for people who want to move as opposed to people who want to stand. That was really convenient. Cause when I made my trip around the concourse, I was like, this is actually pretty smooth to be able to do that. So that was cool. The overhang obviously makes it very loud, a lot louder than you would expect for 37,000 people. And I think the only, the only concern I didn't experience it, but, but just by looking it seems like the uh, the bathroom situation is not ideal. I saw a number of just porta potties that were put up. You don't see that in a stadium very often. That's probably the only thing that stuck out from maybe from a, a negative perspective. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> I feel like I'll take that that synopsis as uh, acceptable. Um, <laughs> a lot of tweets about the bathrooms. You... <laughs> Always. Yeah, but then I can see it. You did get to stick around for the actual game, though. So what stood out to you? Was there any players that we're, we're kind of used to hearing the Desmond Ritter Heisman talk at this point? Uh, Jerome Ford has kind of elevated himself after this last game as well. But were there any names that maybe stick stuck out to you as you broke it down the film, watched the game, all of that, uh, that maybe some people who aren't the avid fans need to know? Well... <clears throat> I, I mean, most people know, but but Jerome Ford obviously stuck out in that game. He had what a hundred 
89 yards rushing. And then right. we've seen it from him before, but his ability to break away and get big runs for a big 220 pound back who feeds on physicality, that that's a rare trait. And that was, you know, probably the biggest question of the offense coming into the year was kind of replacing the running game in the last couple of games. Really? You've seen it from Jerome Ford and, you know, if you don't need to put so much on Desmond Ritter running and passing the ball, that makes a world of difference. And and Luke Fickle made the point after the game where they haven't had to give him like 30 carries in a game yet. So he's pretty oh. fresh, all things considered. And, and you know, if it gets down to a point where they need to do that, they feel like they can. But he, he has really stood out these last couple of weeks as a guy who really changes, I think, the dynamic of that offense. Say the top about- speed uh, numbers that he's been able to generate the last two weeks – him somewhere in the in the top three uh for the last couple years in the nfl even Uh, oh wow i know there was a lot there was a lot made of uh derrick henry hitting 21.8 miles an hour uh last night and uh i believe jerome ford hit 22.51 this weekend and 22.75 last weekend so you've got that that uh high-end speed going with the uh, ability to move people out of the way at will you can see why Alabama liked him, you know, at some point. <laughs> Derrick Henry, Jerome Ford. You, it turns out Alabama's pretty good at identifying running backs. Crazy. Who would have thought? So what about on the other side of the ball? What were your uh, your takeaways in the game on the other side of the ball, outside of Sauce Gardner, who everybody knows and was named to your mid-season, the athletics midseason um, All-American team? You know, it's it, it was it was a difficult evaluation in the sense that UCF's offense is just kind of cobbled together, kept together by paper clips right now. I mean, I mean, Mikey Keene doing what he can, but when you're down your best couple of running backs, when you're down, you know, Jalen Robinson, your best receiver, there's just not a lot of options to go to compared to what this team has had, not to mention all the guys they lost from last year's team. So they were completely overwhelmed and you know, Cincinnati's defense has not racked up a lot of negative plays this year. They've largely been just solid and you don't give up big plays. Um, but but they were forcing Keen to run around a lot. And that's with a, obviously a three-man front and kind of some uh, a different type of defense than you typically see in the American. So they, they were able to get a lot of stops, negative plays. I don't remember what the final number was, but really get the quarterback running around in a way that um, – you know, with that kind of defense, it's not something we've maybe seen a ton of, and and it was a pretty impressive performance. Obviously, you give up 21 points, but most of that was garbage time uh, outside of one, I think, late in the first half or something like that it was after a big play. So, But, uh, yeah, I mean, defense is obviously as advertised. So you wrote in for The Athletic, you, you brought out your, your weekly ranking update, and you have Cincinnati in there at two. We know that the – CFP committee is going to get together and drop their rankings on November 2nd. We're all kind of nervous, even sitting at number two, that Cincinnati is going to be left out. So what do you feel like Cincinnati has to do or maybe some of the dominoes that have to fall for Cincinnati to get into the the college football playoff this year? Well, when the, when the first rankings come out, the top group of five team is typically a couple spots lower than they are in the polls, but we've never had a team number two in the polls. So we'll see. I mean, I mean, if I had to guess right now, I could see the committee putting them at number four or something like that, but you know, you're going to have to keep 
putting up numbers like you did the last two games. I mean, 50 points in two straight games for the first time ever. I mean, I mean that's that's a pretty remarkable stat on its own, and that's the kind of performance Cincinnati's going to keep putting on just to, to to not leave a to let not leave doubt, not have a slip up where you win a game by seven points and it's kind of a, a lesser opponent, and then there's the excuse to move you down. I mean, we saw it last year when they moved down behind like two and three lost teams just because they didn't even play, and it was like it was it, it was pretty ridiculous. So, you know, it. it, it Obviously, you're gonna have to hope SMU keeps winning. I mean, if SMU is a top 15 team by the time they come down, that's good. Uh, hope Notre Dame keeps winning. You know that they they may end up being a 10 and two team. That's that's a good. That's important. And then probably Houston as well. If you're gonna play Houston in the championship game, so th- those three teams are gonna need to keep winning. So those wins or future wins, obviously, have some more value. Do you think there's a chance that a two loss team could end up jumping Cincinnati before season's end. Whether that be Alabama or even a big 10 team. It's, it's hard to say because those big 10 teams, unless it's Ohio state, but Michigan, Michigan state, if they're going to have two losses, they're going to be two losses in November. Essentially. It's not like there's going to be one early loss. They make up for it. Then you stumble a bit and then you have time to make it up. There's good. It's going to be, two losses potentially for Michigan, Michigan state, or if Ohio state has one slip up, there's not going to be as much time to make up ground as opposed to being an early season loss. Now, Ohio state kind of has that Alabama's just kind of in the middle. You know, what, what makes this different really is a Notre Dame win. If Notre Dame, if Notre Dame stays in that top 15 range, then that's a huge deal. Like, like a really, really big deal. UCF never had that Cincinnati last year. Didn't have that. You know, Western Michigan didn't have that. You know, that's the thing that has to be the game changer here. So, um, is it possible? Like I said, we saw two and three lost teams go out of them last year. So, anything's possible. But I would like to think that it's not enough time to kind of make up for it. Now, Joey Galloway came out today and said that uh, Notre Dame's schedule isn't as good as we thought it was because they've already lost. And, and, and when he was talking about Cincinnati and the win – that Cincinnati has over Notre Dame. He referenced that Notre Dame's schedule isn't as tough because they lost. So how does that make sense in this whole grand scheme of things as you're looking at, well, of course they lost to Cincinnati. That, <laughs> now that makes their schedule weaker because they lost to Cincinnati. Help, that, help me make that make sense. I mean, look, Notre Dame has not played great this year. They almost lost to Toledo. They almost lost to Florida State. They're not on the same level they have been. I actually – don't think I have them in my top 20. I think they're in that, you know, they might be in the top 20 now, but in the polls, they're higher up. So it really depends on where the committee puts Notre Dame, which we don't know either. You know, that's kind of the same situation where we, you get, you don't totally know how the committee is going to pick certain, <laughs> certain teams, but the idea that they have a loss and therefore they're not as good when that loss was to that one team, it's obviously, Ridiculous. There are ways to criticize Notre Dame. That is not it. I feel like those same arguments could be made for anyone arguing Ohio State as well as they sure. haven't played a team inside that top 40 outside of uh, Oregon, and they exactly. dropped the ball there at home. So, um, You were at the game, though, and there was one play that stood out to me that did involve Sauce Gardner, and this kind of gets to the Twitter stuff that I wanted to bring up here. Um, but Sauce Gardner executed, and I asked Brady Collins this last night when we had him on our podcast, uh, strength coach for the Bearcats. 
but Sauce Gardner executed what looked like a perfect form rock bottom on the field. And how, how, how good do you think that was? And how difficult do you think it was for him not to turn around and then drop a people's elbow as usually goes after a rock bottom? I, I hate to say this. I don't think I saw the play. And I, I can't believe I didn't see the play. I, I must have just not been looking at this certain time. We, we have seen rock bottoms in football before. Sometimes they've been penalized. Um, so, I, I, I mean, what do you guys think of the form? I, I, I didn't see it. What did you do? It was the form? beautifully done. I mean, the, the kid had no chance. And <laughs> Sauce lifted him off his feet and dropped him square on his back. It was, I mean. It, I can't believe it, I missed this. I'm, I'm going to have to. If you guys have a clip somewhere, send that to me. I, I definitely need to see this. I can take care of tagging you in that. I have a clip of it somewhere. Yeah. Let me see if I can pull it up. But yeah. The, no. And I assume he wasn't penalized for no, it. There no, there's no, no. When you execute it that Forever. well, you can't be penalized. It's in the Geneva I mean, sometimes convention. if it's a German suplex, sometimes if it's a belly-to-belly -belly suplex, they'll, they'll, they'll penalize it. But um, <laughs> I, I'm glad that they didn't, though. That, that's yeah, I mean, how he, it should be. He, he did catch him and then just kind of, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was, it kind of like that photo. There's that photo of, I think it was one of the Oregon, uh, the Ohio state assistants grabbing a fan who was going to run on the field the one time you see that photo. Yeah. It, it sounds like what you're describing is kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Like, that was from like, like said, five we'll or six make, years ago. Like that. Yeah. Maybe longer. Yeah. We'll make sure you get that clip and you just hit us on Twitter after you've watched it with your uh, yes. your assessment of said play. Uh, but you you are into wrestling and Ed's been just kind of chomping at the bit to talk <laughs> wrestling on this podcast for him. So, Ed, the floor is yours here as we have Chris Vanini. Yeah, Chris, in, in your opinion, who was the greatest wrestler of all time and why is it Stone Cold Steve Austin? <laughs> It's 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 Stone Cold Steve Austin because no wrestler has ever connected with fans with the common fan more than him, and, and it, it wasn't a long run. You're talking ninety six to oh two oh three, but the common man drinking beer who wants to beat up his corporate boss like that's that's the most brilliant obvious storyline in the history of, of wrestling, the history of storytelling, right? And you, you couple the middle fingers, the beer, the stuff that you didn't really see elsewhere. It's like, oh, I know people who are like this. I know people who would like to do this. I would like to do this sometime. Everybody just lived vicariously through him. And nobody got a bigger pop from the crowd than Austin coming out. Nothing matches. I know there's the Road Warrior pop, and I get it. It really should be the Stone Cold pop because nothing Nothing matches that excitement, that intensity of, you know, something's about to go down when you hear that glass break and it's going to deliver every single time. Yeah, it, it so, ranks right up there next to the bell toll for The Undertaker. But I think you're right. The pop came bigger for for uh, Austin than it did The Undertaker. Go, 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 go look at WrestleMania 30 when you had The Rock, Hulk Hogan and Austin, all three of them come out. The, the biggest pop was for Austin. Like that tells you right there. That's three of the greatest ever. And good point. it's just, it's a, it hits different when that glass breaks. It's just another level when yeah. it's Stone Cold Steve Austin. It's absolutely now, to true. Settle apart the, to settle apart in the punctuation inner debate, is AEW real wrestling? Are you paying attention to AEW or is it just still WWE for you? 
No, I, I watch both. I, I, I mean, I do a wrestling podcast, um, getting over with with Adam Silverstein from CBS. Him and I do a weekly wrestling podcast. I watch both of them. I, I don't catch it all the time. I missed uh, AEW this weekend because I was traveling to Cincinnati and because of Saturday college football, so I, I didn't see it. But um, no, I, I watch both of them, and I, I like both of them. I, I, I don't, I don't really like the the kind of the growing stand culture between the two where everybody has to like one and hate the other and whatever. It's like, man, there's just more good wrestling. And if they're going to, if they're going to motivate each other to try to one up each other, then, you know, wrestling fans are the ultimate winners. Yeah, Could I mean, it become similar to the, uh, the WWF WCW days. No, because it, they're on it, different nights. Like the W that, that's w, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. The, the WWF WCW w, days w, was w, raw Monday night. It was great. Yeah, WWF and WCW went head-to-head on Monday nights. Same time slots every time. And that doesn't happen now because why would you do that? Uh, You're kind of, it's not, honestly, not smart business. But in the end, that really, you look at the wrestling numbers, you were getting 10 million people watching wrestling. You were outrating Monday Night Football back then in the 1990s, late 90s. Now the numbers have really gone down, but numbers for everything except football have gone down. But WWE's on Monday and Friday. AW's on Wednesday and later Friday. So they never really go head to head. They kind of did this last Friday a little bit, but um, now you can watch it all. Like, you used to have to pick one before. Yep. Now you don't have to. I also so, do enjoy that WWE added Pat McAfee to the Friday night broadcast. I think the guy is good. hilarious. Plus, when he was, you know, actually wrestling last year, that was pretty funny. Um, but that did bring me, I think that's what brought me back to wrestling because I was going on for a little while. Jeff, oh, really? don't even, yeah, Jeff, he, don't. That, that is, he is a talented broadcaster, man. I, I mean, you talk about someone who just kind of connects with regular people, like that's him. And the number one thing I want from any commentator, whether it's regular sports or anything or wrestling or whatever, whoever's doing the play-by-play, who's ever doing the color commentary, I want to feel like they enjoy what they're doing. That's why we love Tony Romo on CBS because the dude's just having a ball out there and you can feel it because as I'm having fun watching a game. I like to know that the person whose job it is to talk about this is having just as much fun as I am. And Pat McAfee is exactly that. The, the enthusiasm it's infectious and him and Cole, I think are the best wrestling commentators great. going anywhere right now. The two of them, the fact that it is two of them and not three helps, but they are a really good pair. And McAfee has been super fun. That's interesting that he got you back into wrestling. I didn't. That's uh yeah. I, I I hadn't heard that before. After the Attitude Era, I just kind of uh, faded out. Yeah, so did I. I. I got back in like 2012, 2013, like CM Punk versus Rock type stuff. But I was out for a good decade. I'm a big CM Punk fan now with AEW. Yeah, I, it's it's great seeing him back. I mean, without a doubt. Yep. Um, I just I want to see him a bit more. I want to see him with an edge. You know, he, he's been back and he's just been kind of happy to be here, happy to work with the young guys, happy to do this. Like, I want to, which is fine, but Dan O'Brien comes in and immediately he's like, I want to kick somebody's ass. Yeah. Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see CM Punk with an edge. Yep, absolutely. All right, Ed, I think you got your wrestling <laughs> talk in. So, these guys. back to Cincinnati, though. Uh, are we going to see you back in, in the Queen City here before season's end? Um, if SMU keeps winning, yes. Um, right. or potentially for the championship game. I'm not sure. It kind of depends on what's up, but, but I'm really hoping Cincinnati and SMU went out and we've got like some top 15 matchup 
and Justin and I can be together in the same place at the same time to uh, to cover a game like that. So hope so. That'd be awesome. Well, we do thank you for taking time out of your Tuesday night for us uh, to talk a little bit of Bearcats football and uh, surprise. We, we talked a little bit of wrestling with you too. So, <laughs> uh, but that was, that was Chris Benini of the athletic um, and your Twitter handle. I don't have it memorized. I do apologize, but if people want to follow just at Chris Benini, just, yeah, just at Chris Benini, my name, you'll, you can two, figure it two out. Two ends in the middle, like Cincinnati. Um, good luck. There you so, go. <laughs> <laughs> he was Chris Vanini, but we do, again, thank you for taking time out of your night, sir. We appreciate it. No problem, guys. Take it thank easy. Thank you. Councilman Barnett has to be happy. Oh, finally. We're not done. I have notes from um, Friday night. And maybe later. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Let's that's see, what I'm saying. Let's see what we got. Time I couldn't let I couldn't let him down. I couldn't let him down. I'm also glad that he agreed that Stone Cold Steve Austin is the biggest uh, wrestler of all time. Because some people might say The Undertaker. Some people might say The Rock. Some people might say Shawn Michaels. You never know. I'm just glad that he seemed to thoroughly enjoy Nippert Stadium. Yeah. And if oh, absolutely. Only, if your only argument is the bathrooms, and that's something that they did address when we did expand and. You're worried about porta potties. I mean, I'm not going to go sit down in a porta potty. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know, I mean, I think that Cincinnati did address that, and there are bathrooms scattered about if you know what you're looking for. Um, so I don't know if that's your only knock. I mean, I've been to like Michigan Michigan Stadium, and they have porta potties lining like the whole outside, which should surprise nobody. Michigan has porta potty server. I will take that as a positive review on Nippert Stadium. Yes. So, I wonder. I wonder. You know, during the Miami game, uh, you guys were talking about how it's like it was like the loudest some people had ever heard it. And during the Miami game, you know, they they recorded the the highest decibel rating. Uh, I believe it was during uh, the the first touchdown pass of the game uh, that, that had insane. been there. So I, I'd be kind of curious to like. Well, no, and, like for like extended periods, because it seemed like, I mean, the students were there early this weekend. Yeah. Uh, they were there early. I saw clips all over Twitter. You know, everybody was like, you know, UC is ready. The fan base is ready. The, you know, all the, the students are here already. Um, so I'd be kind of interested to know like the I can tell the you the average. I can tell you the exact moment where it got the loudest was when they ended up, UCF had to call timeout uh, on two different occasions. And you had players on the field, and I don't recall which players. I want to say it was like DeBlanco and maybe um, Maijay. But you had you had players on the field who were kind of doing like the the get up, let's go, get loud type, you know, arm waves in the on the field. And it just it was like they were already loud. And even again to to Chris's point, when you're in the press box, you're behind double pane glass, so you can't really hear a whole lot. But you could hear like it got it was already loud and then you heard it actually go like louder like it was it was absolutely insane to hear it go from like we're loud it's third down we need to get them out of their rhythm we need to we need to get this stop and then they're like oh the players want us to be louder i'm not going to have a voice on monday let's go and it was it was really really cool to even hear through the press box glass yeah uh, i could hear it on the tv um, I was still disappointed uh, in in ABC's cameras 
uh, for the game, as they, they seem to, for the majority of the game, to be, like, overexposed. And I know that's, like, kind of a, a whiny little gripe and, like, you know, take your happy butt down to the stadium. So for the layman, what, what does that mean? For the layman, what does that mean? I don't it know mean, what that means. It means that it was very bright. Like it was like washed out. If that if that's a be, that's a better term for you like everyone to understand. Okay. Like the, the picture was very washed out for most of the game. Um it, it seemed like I was watching, you know, a conference USA game on ESPN at the Ocho. Um not an ABC game in because later on in the day, you know, other games that I turned on were looked a lot nicer uh for like you know it, it's like they they sent their old school cameras there so you're saying you like it. back on the old dial tvs right we had the bright yes. and the contrast you're saying the yeah. bright was like all the way up and the contrast was like pretty much yeah. down yeah yeah there you go Ed. does that help Thanks. Aaron? yep uh, that should help for everybody um so that was a little bit of a knock because i was like man i want to watch i want to watch my guys you know it happens, I guess. Maybe, maybe they'll send the HD cameras next time. I don't know. Hashtag first world problems. Right, exactly. <laughs> My HD wasn't clear enough. I wanted it in 4K, and I only got it in HD. I had to watch it on a there's cell phone. A lot of 4K, there's not a lot of 4K broadcasting going on right now. but It's not Ultra HD? UHD? I don't know that anything's in UHD except for DVDs and yeah. Blu-rays. But Hulu stuff is. back to the game, you yeah. brought up you brought up uh, the hit by Sauce. You gonna raise me Brian Cook's hit? You would think that I would. Because that let's talk about that for a minute before we. Let me talk going. about what happened that caused that to happen. There is one man in the middle of the defensive line that blew up the center <laughs> that made it look. Oh, is it? Okay, so now you're going to play the sauce hit when I'm talking about something else? <laughs> it's so pretty. I mean, he just lifts them up with that whole shoulder. Bam. Like, I think what makes that even better is if you watch his feet appear to be kicking rapidly in the air, like when some large like man takes running. up a little... Like <laughs> he, like, he's trying to get away. And sauce is like, you guys won't... Sauce is like, you guys won't throw at me. I don't get a play. Like... Let me let me just end your day. There you go. That's so good. Those of you who are listening only, we did play the clip on on repeat there for a little while, and you can see the running back's legs kicking in the field as Sauce Gardner does indeed rock bottom. <laughs> Ed, make sure you send that clip to Chris Manini. So you Already can done. Yeah, make sure you tag him in it. All nice. right. Well done. Oh. Best producer but in the city. When I was watching the game, and of course, like, you know, it immediately, like it, it gets overshadowed by the fact that, that Brian Cook absolutely blew that play up on the outside, right? Well, because but, that was the big explosive sexy hit on that play. But what gets little credit, and I, I've seen maybe a couple people kind of like gloss over it on Chad's Twitter here and there, about it. Is, is Brooks just blasts his way. I thought... My my feeling was that it was potent that there was a whistle that I didn't hear and their center just didn't move. Right? But really what happened was Brooks put his paws in this guy's chest and he had no other recourse but to be launched backwards into the backfield and it screwed everything up 
I mean, it. One thousand percent. Mikey Keene had to roll one way, then try and roll back, and then he hung his. Uh, I don't even know if that was his run. I guess it was probably his running back that he hung out to dry over there, and uh, <laughs> he got lit up. So. Well, I think Malik Van was back in the backfield as well because of the way that I don't know if the center was supposed to pull and and try and help out with Van on that play or <laughs> something was very wrong for their offensive line on that, and it was because our <laughs> defensive line blew them like three feet off the ball. And that just kind of goes back to say, you know, one of the arguments on the Cincinnati team is people are like, oh, they're going to get blown out by anybody that they play. This team doesn't belong, et cetera, et cetera. We're starting to see more and more people who are analysts or talking heads for ESPN for different outlets talk more and more about how there's so much NFL ready talent on this team. And of course, that's what's going to happen when you're returning a bunch of guys who are in their fifth and sixth years. And I do understand when you have red shirt, when you have COVID, when you have, you know, these different things that have allowed these guys to play this many years, that that's of course, you know, the exception, not the rule. This isn't things that we're accustomed to with all these players getting an extra year because of the year of COVID. And while that's unfortunate for guys that weren't able to do that, Cincinnati's clearly taking full advantage of the fact that they were able to do that. And so you have these guys, there's people mentioning anywhere between seven or eight as your floor of guys that are draft ready to somewhere between 10, 12. And that's absolutely insane for a team that's not accustomed to having guys drafted over the course of the longevity of the program. Of course, there's been guys over the course of the last couple of years that have been drafted, but not anywhere near this number. I mean, I think Oklahoma only had, or I'm sorry, not Oklahoma, but Alabama only had 11 guys drafted just last year. And so for Cincinnati to be mentioned with those kind of numbers, that's a big deal. It it absolutely is a big deal. And it it speaks to the elite level of development that is going on in Clifton. Because I had a a discussion, and I'll I'll classify it as a discussion, uh, with an individual who's an Ohio State fan. Never engage. I keep trying no, to tell you. No, no, no. This is this is not the this is a guy that I, I, hey, no, this is a guy hey, I went to Jeff. college with. Oh, th- Jeff, you got to live so, you got to live by my rules. My rules is when you see it, you just keep you just keep scrolling. You just got to keep scrolling. You, never, you can't I'm gonna engage. Mute, I'm going to mute you Ed. as I <laughs> just engaged with right a now. with a UCF fan on Twitter. <laughs> Please no. continue. So I, I had a conversation with a buddy I went to college with who is, he's an Ohio State fan. Um, and he wanted to basically hit all the the bad national talking points that go around about UC not having, you know, the ability to play with anybody that, you know, they won't be around at the end of the year anyway. It doesn't Which, matter. Thanks we don't for need to discuss. my rant last week. It and, was a good rant. Should have been clipped. Should have been on, on the Twitter sphere. On how to use your phone? I don't. I'm not the producer. Oh, okay. All right. True. Aaron wins. Point, Aaron. But so the back to my conversation <laughs> that I had. We we were going back and forth, and so I brought up the Georgia game from January of this year, with essentially all the same kids and all the same kids from Georgia. Minus, you know, both teams did in fact have some people missing. And the argument I was given was Georgia was missing five-star players. UC was only missing some three and four-star players. I saw that same argument. 
And I said, what? I hate that argument. Okay. And guess what? It was a close game that UC dominated for all up until a field goal put Georgia ahead. So you're saying that those three-star kids that came into UC and have been developed into essentially essentially five-star kids. So your argument is stupid. And he was like, well, he's like, well, you know, I mean, there were other, uh, that's five-star kids and and they're backing them up with like four-star kids. And and I was like, so what do you think UC's backing their their three-star kids? It's the stupidest thing ever. So Luke Fickle has put that to rest. Like, who cares? He brings in the guys he needs and he's developed them very well. You've got Mike Warren, James Hudson. They're the first two underclassmen to leave UC to go to the NFL. You've got a score of other kids. Right. You've got a score of other kids that could have gone to the NFL or at least entered the draft and probably would have been drafted, maybe caught on somewhere. Instead, they came back. And guess what? They're NFL ready now. Well, case in point, last last year, and we talked about this last night on the BBP, but you had James Wiggins, All-American James Wiggins, out. And in his place came, we've already talked about him tonight, Brian Cook, Cook. who ended up being – Arguably the best defensive player in the Georgia game. Oh, absolutely. And he had seen very little time on the field to that point by comparison. Like, I mean, it's just it's absolutely asinine. And you can't honestly, like, I keep trying to tell you, you can't actually engage with people who on Twitter because nobody actually wants to have a conversation. They just want to tell you how they're right, why they're right, and why they won't change their mind. Like well, it's it's I, I, and, and it's not just sports, it's anything. You're right. But, yeah. So the the other point I want to bring up here in in regards to this is during uh, Luke oh. um, Luke's oh. presser today. Send him a link. I think it was today. Okay. Uh oh. Dad's right. ready to rant. Here, here so we go. Luke Luke before he gets in here and, and probably steals my thunder. But hurry Luke, up! I'm, I'm still Luke said on it. Th- there was a question asked to Luke today about. Um, I believe it was in reference to Prater. It's hard to hear the the reporters right. asking the questions on those pressers, but I believe it was in regards to Prater being a four-star waiting in the wings. And Luke said, well, first off, we're not going to say waiting in the wings because if you're waiting in the wings, someone will pass you up, which speaks yep. to the fact that Brian Cook was able to come into a game like the Georgia game and play the way that he did at the level he did because he wasn't waiting in the wings for his shot to get in. He was developing during the Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays. God, he's a word master, that fickle. He, he is. It is a, it's so much fun to listen to him. I wish, and maybe maybe when Chad gets in here, I can tell Chad and he can pass along uh, that it would be nice if we could, if they would turn the volume up on the reporters somehow. So that we could hear the questions that are being asked during these press conferences well, that they post they don't have up a to YouTube. In there. Uh, they don't. No, it's the only when you see the mics; those are directly plugged into the cameras for the news channels back in the back. Oh, uh, and mm-hmm. that's all that those are connected to. It's not a TV like, cart. Well, maybe yeah. they could. Maybe they could get them some uh, some speakers back there because it's just it's just hard to like you know like you you can hear some of the guys that that I are talking. Hear Jerome Ford, and I was in the. Like second, first, first or second. I was in the first row, and I couldn't hear Jerome Ford on that that presser, which was crazy. Let me see. Let me give you guys a stat that I Very that fun. I saw on PFF today. 
Sauce has only allowed 20, no, sorry, has only allowed 0.22 uh, yards per coverage snap. That's the third lowest in college football. Like, that's ridiculous. Don't, and, and then um, UCF, their whole game was, uh, we need to throw at Sauce. That's a well, that was that was somebody that came out. That, that was one of those UCF. I know, like, but still, like this is their shot. This is their shot at winning. If you're going to make that uh, statement it, on the Twitter, then maybe you should do a little bit of research. He also has sauce. Well, I mean, they also, gave him his props. They said, like, you know, yes, he's very good, yeah, but there's the got to be a way to attack him, and they need to try to exploit it if they want to win. He's also allowed an FBS low 44.2 pass efficiency rating when targeted this season and quarterbacks are eight for 18 with 47 yards and no touchdowns with his two interceptions. Hi, Chad. So, Hi, boys. Hey. Has been doing his damn thing. How's my audio? It seemed low on the uh, test. Am I all right? It is oh, you're low, good. but I don't know if, I don't know if Ed can. It's better than Aaron's. You're fine. <laughs> Whack. I've been ready to rant for a while now for like five hours today. After you, hearing what left the house? Joey, after hearing what Joey Galloway had to say, <laughs> yeah. have you left the house since Friday? I don't have great audio with Aaron. I don't think right yeah, now. Yeah, he asked if you've left the house since Friday. I was allowed to leave the house today. I went to practice today. Okay, so that, that was nice. I was, I was, I'm allowed to go outside. I'm not allowed to go anywhere inside, so I wasn't allowed to be at the press conference uh, because the press conference is in the team room right. of the Linder Center, so I wasn't allowed to do that. But I was allowed to go to practice. You want me to drop some uh, some news on the, uh, the the podcast? Yeah. Have at it. Darian Beavers, uh, almost a full participant in practice today. He was limited a touch, but if this was like an NFL practice – he is uh, on track to participate on Saturday. So for anybody worrying about Darian Beavers, uh, I would not worry about Darian Beavers. Uh, as Brady told us essentially last night on the BBP, that was a chance to get Jaheim Thomas a lot of meaningful reps. Kicked ass. In, in that game, and he, had, he was third on the team with seven tackles. So... Uh, that was that was one of those opportunities where you're up 35 to nothing or whatever, 28 nothing, 35 nothing, whenever Beavers went out. That's an opportunity to get a guy like Jaheim Thomas on the field and uh, prepare for the future. And, you know, potentially with, with Jaheim Thomas, Wilson Huber, and uh, Deshaun Pace, you got to see, like, maybe what the linebacker core looks like next year. Because fortunately for Cincinnati fans, all this talk about NFL draft eligible guys, uh, you know, Deshaun Pace isn't eligible to to participate in the NFL draft this year. Fortunately, because <laughs> you talk about people blowing up their draft stock on this Cincinnati team, uh, Deshaun Pace is absolutely one of them. And uh, Thursday night on the BBP or on the BCJ pod, I got so many pods now; it's it's hard to keep separate. <laughs> On the BCJ pod, Jim Nagy, the director of the Senior Bowl, is going to join us for 20 minutes to talk about the 10 Bearcats uh, right now that are draftable and on NFL radars uh, going into the 2022 draft. I'll give you – you want me to give you names? Yeah. I'll give you names. Yeah. 
Desmond Ritter, well. Jerome Ford, Josh Wiley, Lenny Taylor, Alec Pierce. Offense, that's five. Defense, Maje Sanders, Darian Beavers, Ahmad Gardner. Uh, who am I forgetting on defense? Kobe. Kobe Bryant and Brian Cook. Nice. Also five. Go back and look at how many teams had 10 players drafted in recent NFL drafts. And guess what? Those teams were the elite teams. This is an elite team. Yeah. And right now, the media is scrambling because it doesn't make sense to them. It doesn't make sense that this Cincinnati team has elite talent. They don't get it. They they don't want to understand it. And a guy like Joey Galloway, what's Joey Galloway trying to uh, the, to protect? Ohio State's spot ESPN. in the college football playoff. Yep. Trying to protect ESPN, who has money invested in the SEC and money invested in, you know, not the AAC, not, not to that level. Not, yeah, they've got pennies on the dollar invested in the AAC. Right. They've got... They've got uh, a great return on investment in the AAC because they make a lot more than they spend, but they don't have $30, $40 million a year each team invested in the American Athletic Conference. And here's the difference, man. Go back and look. Like, everybody wants to talk about, you know, our, our friends from Middle Florida University. The Go back and look at how many guys that that, that team had drafted. It wasn't a lot. Like all the elite guys from those teams, they're, they're not going to Florida spend... State. They're <laughs> holding a clipboard for Florida State. Yeah. <laughs> Playing is a loose interpretation of what they're doing in Florida State right now. Oof. That those aren't those aren't teams that had a boatload of NFL talent. This Cincinnati team has a ton of NFL talent, and. If you're going to tell me that they don't, I'm going to tell you Jim Nagy knows fucking more than you do. <laughs> He's won Super Bowls. He's been an NFL scout for like a decade and a half. And now he's the guy in charge of the players that get invited to the senior bowl. See, but that's the thing. You can't tell anybody anything logically right now because Ohio State fans will not argue logic. They're still talking about a game that happened two years ago. Alabama fans have chimed in. Like, they're hot and bothered about this Cincinnati thing. Because we're taking their spot. Right now, right. we're taking Somebody, their spot. Somebody's spot is in danger. And they all have and to Cincinnati is to come the reason up with why. a reason why the Cincinnati Bearcats – are, are stealing a spot because they don't deserve to be there because they can't hang with the big dogs. And you point back to January. Let me tell you, January was this year, and those teams are essentially the same. They hung with them. Not only did they hang with them, they dominated them up until they lost on Three and a half ball. quarters. Three and a half quarters. Three and a half quarters. Yep. Yeah. They played with the big boys. But let's get to what, what Joey Galloway said today. <laughs> which is one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever heard anybody say on the inter uh, on TV in my entire life. He didn't say it on the internet. He said it on ESPN. Cincinnati's win over Notre Dame is devalued because Notre Dame has a loss. 
<laughs> one. I wonder who that loss could be from. One. One loss. Somebody said it in my mentions today. I'm waiting for for somebody to say Notre Dame deserves a spot over Cincinnati because Notre Dame played a P5 schedule and their only loss was to co- to a college football playoff contender. It's coming. Oh, that, oh yeah. Absolutely. That argument's coming. For sure. If, I, we, I if we get four weeks from now and Notre Dame still only has one loss, it's coming. It's coming. Notre Dame tested themselves more than Cincinnati did. I don't care that Cincinnati went in and it's like that somebody posted like there's these sites now that post like win predictabilities. Yeah. Which which are um essentially like if you look at yards per play and splash plays and turnovers and all of the things that happen in a game what were the chances that each team would have won or like would have lost if you run it through a simulator with all of those data points included in the game? Cincinnati's chances of winning that Notre Dame game, 100%. Well, I'm waiting for they're not the same team that Cincinnati played because they changed their quarterback or some bullshit. They and didn't I, change their quarterback. They, they played quarterback three quarterbacks. Said, I'm, I'm waiting for that to be the argument well, in a couple of it's weeks. It's already happening with Oklahoma. Oklahoma deserves say. in because they changed their quarterback. He's well, he's apparently a, a Heisman candidate, according to Kirk Herbstreet. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And then the, the fact that, so Oklahoma played Tulane. Yeah. You, you see he's going to play you Tulane. You got to beat the dog shit out of Tulane right now. And o- Oklahoma only won by a touchdown. At home. Five points. Five at points. Home. So thirty, they gave up. Well, Aaron, that wasn't at home. They painted the Tulane logo on the field. Don't give me that. It was a home game. Okay, in their stadium. That's a home game. So they gave up thirty-five points. Tell me how many of the. I mean, I I didn't watch that game, so I don't know. But how many of those points would have been prevented? By if, Caleb Williams, all if of them. Spencer Rattler wasn't the quarterback then. All, all Caleb Williams would have the the momentum, the energy from having Caleb Williams a quarterback would have would have made all the difference for because uh, at that point in time Spencer Rattler was still a like a, a Heisman, Heisman candidate, Heisman candidate, right? The like, no, the Heisman no, front runner. There's no, there's no, was, there was, there was, was no momentum and energy from having that guy. No, how's, none. All right, let's put a freshman in. I mean, I, I get it. Caleb Williams is better than Spencer Rattler right now, but then was he? No, or else Caleb Williams would have been starting that game. How does Oklahoma have people in the conversation for All American defensive players? That's a great question too. Their defense sucks. The big. I haven't seen any defense in the Big Twelve. That's going to be interesting. When uh, TCU had a run for a while, uh, where they kind of like they made their name on playing defense in the Big Twelve, but now they're like their secondary is one of the worst secondaries I've ever seen. They have they have they a were line- awful. They they currently have a linebacker, according to the Athletic, from today's article where they they rattled off their their midseason awards. Uh, their linebacker Nick Benito or Benito, um, he is currently on the uh, the second team uh, right there with Jerome Ford at, at running back. But uh, they also have a kicker. Look, 
here's the thing, and I, I can't stay on here long because Kelly wants to go to sleep, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to keep her up for too long and get yelled at. Uh, keep fighting the fight. Don't let, don't get beaten down by these narratives that are going to be thrown around. Don't let it happen because this is an elite team. This isn't a gimmick. This isn't a team that was, you know, is using five, six wide receivers and like changing the way the game is played. This is a team that is lining up and kicking people's ass. You mean we're not running Statue of Liberty offenses or anything? Not a Statue of Liberty play. Central Florida University ran a Statue of Liberty package. A package of Statue of Liberty plays. They did that in fucking practice all week. <laughs> to move the ball on this Cincinnati defense, the best thing we can do is incorporate the Statue of Liberty package of plays. I, I think Multiple can, plays. I think we could all say, I mean, like, really, a lot of the stuff Cincinnati's doing on offense is, is fairly vanilla. It's line up and let's let's see what you got for our guys over here. And they don't have exactly. no, no one is nothing. Had no one's had there's anything. nothing. Well, because here's the difference. Again, this goes back to what we've talked about this entire 10 minutes or however how long I've been on here. They're not doing anything crazy. They're saying we have better players than you. And we do. Right? And they do. They're not they're not saying that haphazardly. They're saying we have better players than you. What happened with Central Florida? <clears throat> they said we're going to back off. If you go watch like the majority of the first half of that game, they had five, maybe six guys in the box. They said we're not going to let you throw on us. We're not going to let you beat us deep. And Dez said, "Bet Okay. <laughs> here's Jerome. Here's my friend Jerome. <laughs> Built Ford tough. And he's going to run down your fucking throat. <laughs> you keep wanting to put six in the box? All right. Go back and watch some of those. Not, not the splash plays. Don't go back and watch the big plays from Ford. Go back and watch what should have been Central Florida played with seven or eight guys in the box, like three and four yard runs. And he's picking his way slowly to the next level, to the next level, to the next level. Okay, let this block hit, let that block hit, let this block hit. All of a sudden, I'm eight yards down the field. It's second and two. And that was what Central Florida gave them. And they have the ability that, that we've never seen a Cincinnati offense have. To say, you want to shut down the boundary? We'll throw to the field. You want to shut down the field? We'll throw to the slot. You want to shut down the slot? We'll throw to the tight end. You want to shut down the tight end? We'll run it down your fucking throat. Brian Kelly had it close. Yeah, but even close. those teams still had some Holes. some limitations. Yeah. We didn't have the tight end that we have now. Um, right. You know, I mean, it, it, there was it, there was definitely a depth difference as well. Anybody and Pete down. was still really Pete was still really young back then. Like that was not 
you know, veteran Isaiah Peed, junior and senior year Isaiah Peed. So, you know, the people like people think Travis Kelsey played on those teams. Travis Kelsey didn't play on those teams. Was he suspended? You know, you had you had great wide receivers without question. And that's really where they made you pay was Pike, Benz, Gilliard, DJ Woods, Bones Barnett. Like they really made you pay at all the wide receiver spots. But even they didn't have that ability just at, at not one tight end, two tight ends, two NFL tight ends, an NFL running back, an NFL boundary wide receiver a young, potentially NFL field wide receiver, a really, really good slot wide receiver in Michael Young, plus Trey Tucker behind him. It's really not fair. That's not even mentioning your NFL-ready quarterback. Right, (laughs) right, right. Like, that's, like, you've got every chess piece. I will say, I saw something funny about uh, the upcoming Navy game where someone said that we we shouldn't play any of our DBs or cornerbacks and just spread linebackers out across the, the entire field. Not wrong. <laughs> like, I mean, you got to put Sauce and Kobe on the field. I, I'm interested, and we'll talk about this more Thursday night. I'm interested in how we see that defense uh, evolve in Trestle's version of stopping the triple option. You know, because is it is it a true four four with four defensive linemen, four linebackers? Uh, if you do that, you're only playing three defensive backs. You're gonna have to have Sauce and Kobe on the field. Are you really taking one of Javon Hicks or or Brian Cook off the field? Uh, or do you you know do you go with uh, the combination of you know Beavers, DeBlanco? Huber, maybe Jaheim Thomas, and then the sniper or dollar or whatever, however, they're they're defining that spot now with with Deshaun Pace and Ty Van Fossen. There's too many good players. I was just saying all the names you just listed right there are guys that anyone on any of these other teams in the top any in the country would say. Please, please send that guy over here. We'll, we'll, right. take, we'll, we'll slot him in. Yep. Right. So they've got they've got eleven spots on defense. They've got fifteen guys that they need to play. That's we haven't we haven't even talked about just Arquan Bush gets a day off. Like there, there's no nickel. They're not running three wide receivers. So Arquan Bush gets a day off. Arquan Bush had a great game against UCF. Like, think about like that's. That's the part as a Cincinnati fan. And I've, I've been doing this for 16 years. Now, you know, for a while, I wasn't as dialed into football because Tim Adams did football. I did basketball. I helped with football because football needs more than one body. And really, at the time, it was just Tim and I. Like, that was, you know, we were, we were kind of handling everything as far as team coverage. So I was around, but I wasn't as, like, you know, connected as I am now. But I'm more than safe in saying there's never been a time when we could roll off all of these names. That's wild. And 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 be like star, 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 future star, future star, 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 future star. We haven't talked about Curtis Brooks. 
dog. Uh, we you guys talked about, about, yeah, you guys talked about the him on the screen. When he blew that guy off the, I mean, it looked like a cartoon. It looked right. silly how far back he pushed him. I went back and watched it again, and I'm like, yeah. it's, just, it's so, it's it, it was ridiculous. The guy, I mean, he had no chance, and that's what we have is we've got uh, we've got these guys that are are at such a high caliber that it doesn't matter who lines up across from them, they're either going to be able to match it, and ninety nine percent of the time they're several levels above the guy that they're lining up across from, and it showed on a play like that where they they blow it up. Mikey Keene's running for his life. He tries to throw <laughs> the ball out. And he it actually he serves, it, he serves up his running back. If it wasn't for Brian Cook, it might have been a really well executed screen because that's what you want as a screen, right? You want everybody coming to the quarterback on the right side, and then you throw it all the way across the field to the left side, and you are supposed to have blockers out in front, right? Yeah. To to help him. Well, the center couldn't get out in front because Curtis Brooks kicked his ass. Yeah. And I mean, then the thing of beauty. If you just if you just focus on Brian Cook, like he stood in place, he strafed, he didn't get caught in the wash, and as soon as he saw that ball go in the air, like you could tell he had it a thousand percent identified. And he hit that guy. And he looked like a like a WWE table, the way he I mean, folded when Brian Cook hit him. Like he looked like like a table at a Buffalo Bills game. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and what and what allows somebody like Brian Cook to sit out there and and manage his responsibility is the fact that he knows that the guys over to his left are going to everybody their, else is taking they've care got of right? theirs. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need to try and and speed in on some kind of crazy blitz to you know blow up the quarterback because he knows that that's going to be handled. So he can handle his little area, and his little area had a screen thrown to it, and it was really unfortunate for that young man that caught the pass. <laughs> I I missed a little bit of this early, taking the dogs out and doing some family stuff. Uh did you guys talk about the other thing that I've maybe only seen like five times in my entire life in football, the history of football, which is Brian cook hitting a pulling guard so hard that it tackled the running back. Yes. Yeah. I know you're talking about, I know Jeff had, they get started. They they pulled both guards, right? Yes. And, and cook strafed the one guard. And hit the second guard so hard it knocked that the running back him. went upended, like, like yeah. launched into the air and fell down. He tackled him with his own player. Yeah, he used, he used him like a bowling ball. It was great. It was it like Michael Ward did that. It, it uh, all it all goes back to what we've been saying for the last fifteen minutes is that this is an elite team with elite players. That can play not only at the next level, but dominate at this level. Yeah. Yeah. But and yes, there are some other teams in college football that are good. And and that's what people don't understand. Like, that's what it would, just blows my mind. And I th somebody had tweeted about it a few weeks ago that, like, they they feel like, you know, teams like UC's, like, are the fans for UC and the fans for, like, you know, UCF back when they are, like, the most knowledgeable fans because... 
we don't we don't turn on uc and then watch it and then turn it off and that's the end of our college football day whereas like right you know a lot of these other big power five whatever you know they watch their they get up they watch their team and then they go around they talk about how great they are without having you know we we have to go watch all these other teams to be like oh man it what pieces so we are going to move here points. is is this team going to jump our team or are they going to go here because these other teams don't have to worry about it. Alabama loses to an unranked team and drops three spots, four spots. Texas A&M sucked ass before they beat Alabama. Yeah, they were bad. Texas was shitty and was still in the top five or 25 with three losses. Like you can watch some of these teams and just be like, and then, and along the same talking points is like conference bias. You look at a team like Iowa who loses to an unranked team. And they get jettisoned into the atmosphere somewhere. You're out. Well, <laughs> but that was obvious, right? We knew they weren't any good. Right. Arkansas <laughs> beat Texas A&M 20 to 10. Do we need to go back and look what happened to Arkansas since then? <laughs> Mississippi State beat Texas A&M 26 to 22. Texas A&M scored 22 points on Mississippi State and 41 on Alabama. Chad's head's gonna they scored they scored 10 on Texas AM or Arkansas. Texas AM scored 10 points. <laughs> Fingers and thumbs, you can count them on like this. I don't have to use toes. But they scored nobody, 10 points on Arkansas. But nobody looks at that stuff. What they want to look at is they say, well, Alabama had to go and they had to play at Texas A&M. It was a road game. And, Bullshit. They're, they're, and you're they're, like, Mississippi State had to go play at Texas A&M. Right. They'll, they'll look at that if Cincinnati drops a game. All of a sudden, we'll be number 18 after one loss. Wondering what the hell just happened. 27. It's, it, it, is, it is just it's wild to me that that people can't just say, we have a good team. Look. Like, let's say, like, and, and honestly, like Georgia fans, a lot of Georgia fans have respect for the they know. team because they've they seen know it. they got the they smoke. Know. They they know and, and they won. And, and you know what? They, but they know it took every fiber of their being and the to most win that tired, game. lazy argument of all time is that those kids didn't the the kid they don't come to. That's what I yeah. was told. I was told Here, that kids don't go to Georgia to win the Peach Bowl. They go to Georgia because they want to win the national championship. And if it's not a national championship, yeah. they don't care. But they don't Here's win the Jeff, national yeah. championship. Right. They haven't won the national championship in like 45 years. Jeff, here's what you tell those people, right? You tell those people to go up to a kid that plays for Georgia and tell, tell them they didn't try to win that game and see how fast you get your ass kicked. Right. The, the that Georgia that they, team was all in on winning that game. All in on winning that game. Absolutely they were. And so because, were the UC kids, and it was a great game. Because here's what would have happened if those kids didn't care about winning that game. It would have been when like... Jerome Ford broke that 879, 80-yard run, whatever it was, to start the second half, they'd have quit. They'd have packed it in. They'd have yeah. packed it in. Because I've seen teams that didn't want to be in a bowl game, right? I've seen like, it. Like the belt bowl? 
I've seen, but I'm talking more about like this narrative on SEC teams or whatever, like, you know, these elite teams that get into a bowl game and they didn't want to be there. I've seen it happen. And what happens is they get to a point that they just decide, eh, whatever, this season's over. We're out of here. That Georgia team did not decide that. That Georgia team decided, nah, man, not us. And they I mean, Bobby fought. Carpenter covered it. Bobby Carpenter covered it on, on Twitter, like I don't know, it was a week ago or so, and basically said the same thing. There's not an athlete worth their salt that goes into any competition and says, "Meh, I don't care to be here." I mean, I'll disagree with that to an extent because we've seen some of those teams go into those bowl games and just not care. That Georgia team did not play like a team that didn't care. They played oh, like a not. team that cared a lot. Yeah, a I lot. You, I don't know if you heard the argument that I was given uh, before that you know, obviously everyone wants to say Georgia was missing all of these guys going into the game, but they never want to talk about. So I the I'm, guys that are playing now are the guys that have them at number one. So I, I tell I, I say, well, you know, UC was missing some All Americans. Oh yeah, they don't want to talk about that. But then the argument I was given was. Georgia was missing uh, five-star guys. UC was only missing some three-star guys. That's the dumbest shit ever because Georgia replaced Georgia replaced their five-star guys with, with five more five-star guys. Right. They had they had what the top like top two or three recruiting class for like three years in a row now, something like that. Yeah. They, going into the Peach Bowl, in terms of the composite, they had the number one ranked roster in the country. That's how dominant they have been in recruiting over the past five years. Like top five, for like four out of five years. So that, that and, that's what I that's what I, yeah. I brought back as my argument, and I got no response from the individual that I was having a conversation <laughs> with. Um, so that that was good. And, and today, go ahead. Tell them this: Cincinnati replaced James Wiggins, Brian Cook, with Brian Cook, right? Who played his first two years at Howard. And so the thing, the thing that and I he was the best up, defensive player on the field. The thing I and the thing I brought up today, uh, besides I don't that know, monster I think, from I think, Georgia that plays defensive tackle, that guy's a nightmare. <laughs> Jesus Christ, <laughs> the guy that holds like four people at once. Yeah, that guy. Did you see that they had a clip of him in the Kentucky game? Yeah, and yeah, he he blew up the center and he went left and the play and went he, right and he reached and he, back and this he just way. took the center and. And, and shoved him like move bitch and it went right and made the tackle and it yeah. was like that guy's like 340 pounds and, and moves like he's like 250 pounds so yeah. not not fair but what i brought up from the the luke fickle presser today was and i, I said this i i couldn't hear the reporter like that's my clearly. that's on me when i do my videos you can hear the questions from the reporters, and I wasn't there today. So, hand up. That's on me. It's Kelly's fault. I'm not blaming her. Yikes. <laughs> she, she's, she's asleep. We got away with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Sneaky. But they, I think I think the reporter asked um, about, about having uh, Evan Prater as a four-star waiting in the wings, and Luke Fickle immediately shot at that do. and said, we don't wait in the wings. If you wait, people pass you by. And that was 
re, like you know, on 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 stage in January with a guy like Brian Cook, who yep. hadn't been just waiting in the wings for his chance to to get out there and shine. He was developing on what you know Luke kept referring to as the Tuesdays and Wednesdays. He was going so, at it on Tuesdays and Wednesdays to get himself to a level where when he was called into service on a Saturday night, he was ready to go. So let me take you back to, I guess, what? Two, it was like two and a half years ago, um, end of the season, and... Cincinnati hits the transfer portal in December. And, you know, people, you know, you know how fans are. Like, they expect, like, splashes, big splashes. And Cincinnati adds two guys before the start of the winter semester. So they add two guys in December before they get to January. And those two guys were Darian Beavers and Brian Cook. And the fan base was like, what are we doing? We're adding a cast off from UConn and a, a scrub DB from Howard. Well, <laughs> like, let, let's let's fast forward two and a half years. And all of a sudden, you know, those are two of the most impactful players on, on the number two. I will... I try to keep it as honest as possible. Georgia is the number one defense in the country. They are phenomenal at all three levels. They are, and especially because you have a guy at defensive tackle that's going to make. <laughs> like, their defense is absurd. Cincinnati's the number two defense in the country. There is no defense in the country other than Georgia, that is as good as the Cincinnati defense. Stop rate, yards per play, third down conversions. Like when you add all of it together, you know, offensive pass efficiency, like rush efficiency, pass efficiency, like they are the number two defense in the country. And they're doing it without getting sacks, which is absurd. I thought Maja got ripped off on his, uh, uh, when they called him off sides. Yeah, he did. He, he got his he, first. He he was not off, but when he got called off sides on the, yeah, uh, you know what play I'm talking about. You He's know. so fast at the snap that that it well, got even, it got the officials. Even the uh, even the the broadcasters who I made mention of, and then you replied back on on Twitter. Um, it, it they the announcers were all talking positively about UC, which is something that you know you usually hear like all of the questions yeah. about like oh is UC Dan Orlovsky really was great. Dan that was great. Was, I mean, fantastic. He said, you know, somebody asked him a question. He was like, well, it's not about who's the most popular team; it's about who's the best team. And the team I'm looking at right now is one of the best teams. Uh, but they made mention on that Majay one where. He he lowers his level to get explosive, yeah. Right before the snap and that movement of him dropping down, coupled with the fact that he was so on top of the snap, getting across into the backfield, and they're like, "Well, he must have been offsides." <laughs> throw, throw this flag here. You you can't be that explosive off the snap. That must have been offsides. Right. Well, meet my Jay Sanders, please. Right. Because he is right. 
it's I, I don't know. Like it, it, it's such a. I'm in I'm in such a tough spot right now because I I'm going to be you know Colonel Jessup on that wall. You want me on that wall? You need me on that wall. I'm going to fight the good fight, but I. It, you have to find a way to not let it like impact the fact that this is amazing to watch because there was never any indication in like what 135 years of UC football that they'd ever have this like th this is this is somebody you know it's one of those uh, this is this is really dumb and I'm not uh, it's going to sound stupid this is one of those like Mr. Beast videos where you he shows up in an Uber and picks you up in a Lamborghini and he's like this is your Lamborghini right and you're like Oh shit. <laughs> Mr. Beast just gave me a Lamborghini. Like <laughs> it's we have just a, like that. We have a Lamborghini. Like and we don't know how to act, but neither does the I'm national gonna, media. I'm fight. Right. Right. That guy's not <laughs> supposed to have a Lamborghini. I'm I own I buy, I own a Lamborghini and that guy's not supposed to have a Lamborghini. Right. Uh but I I, I think it all I mean it all goes back like it it's been built and it is continuing to be built and they're i mean they're just if you look at look at the level i've never in in my entire life seen after a a uc game let alone a uc after drubbing a not very good ucf team seen that many recruits and i realize they had a ton of recruits there but yeah see that many recruits put out like just like rave reviews of their time on the sideline at UC, you know, it, and obviously that, I mean, really that, that spills over to Wes Miller and bringing his, his recruits up there to For see sure. some of these games. Sure. right? So absolutely. It, it just builds on each other. I, I've talked to Wes about it a couple times and he is just like over the moon about being able to sell that, about being able to say like, this is, this is what we got here. And if you win like they're winning, then you get this on the basketball side because that's what it's all about for Wes, right? To, like that's what you use Absolutely. that for is to say, this is how crazy this town will get. It's a hungry fan base. Right. And yeah. the, the other thing going for Wes, though, is he, he, can, he can bring up videos of years gone by and say, this, we've done this before. The, this this basketball team has been at the level that the football team is at right now, and this is what you know. This city doesn't right. just like you know throw it behind football and that's it. But they've already done it with basketball. They love basketball and they're yearning to have that back. So you you get on so, the court and we do the kinds of things they're doing. You're going to get that back again. Is it he targeted right? two high school kids and got them both in 2022? Well, three with Sage. But, you know, Sage was a little earlier in the process. He didn't go through the football game, like, stuff. Right. He got to, lucky to, in Hawaii yeah. and moved to Hamilton. <laughs> yeah. He said, but you like, mean that awesome fair cat burger? And everyone will, oh. will buy everything that you sell. Because <laughs> that it's food so truck good. is amazing. So I told good. you guys. And then I just saw that they have a, a, the bear a cat burger, burger now that they're Come on. Yeah, now. it's a it's a burger. I've never like I've never seen a burger dipped in teriyaki sauce. Like I'm, 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 I want it though. With, it's delicious. With, with 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 pulled pork on top. Like, so okay. Pineapple involved, right? 
Uh, yeah, I yeah, be. I'm sure. Yeah, it's yeah. There is. There's always pineapple involved. It's Hawaiian. Yeah. But... Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean that that giant Kahlua bowl that I had was. I mean, it fed it, me and my wife. Is, <laughs> it, too, is yeah. it too early? Is it too early to talk about retiring Desmond Ritter's number? Yes. Uh, I don't like technically yes, but for what he's done from the minute he walked on the field at the Rose Bowl. To now, no quarterback's ever had a better career at the University of Cincinnati. None. That's true. No. You, can give me, you, can, you can give me Greg Cook. You can give me Gino Gadulli. You can give me Tony Pike. From the minute, like, think how long ago that was. When he walked on the field on the third series of the game in the Rose Bowl, led that team to victory, to where this program is at now, there is no more transformative player in the history of Cincinnati football than Desmond Ritter. And he's up there in the pantheon of all of the greats in this city, period, for what he's done over the past four years. Period. Look at that burger. Look at that. Yeah, there's Teriyaki burger, pulled pork. Oh. Cupine made. They, like, they don't have pineapple on it. I thought that it's pineapple. I feel uh, like I'm gonna have to a, talk to him and, and get like say, a pineapple add like salsa a or pineapple slice yeah. on there. Yeah, I, I want a pineapple on there. Yeah, I definitely want a slice of yeah. pineapple on there. I know yeah. a guy or two connected <laughs> yeah. with that food yeah. truck yeah. that we can we can All get right, a grilled good. pineapple slice on there. Nice. Maybe yeah. between. Between the teriyaki burger and the pork, and there's the a slice pork. of grilled pineapple. Oh. Like, so you get it in the middle. A little sweet yep. with that's, that teriyaki. That, yeah. Oh, that's top-tier cuisine. But right I, I think I think going back to the Dez conversation, he's going to be mentioned with Kenyon Martin as the, the best players that were ever here in the history of Cincinnati sports. Well, because they did similar things, right? Kenyon took this basketball program back to a level like if we talk about 92, 92 was unexpected. Like that team wasn't supposed to make the run that it made, but they did. And they followed it up in 93, which that's actually what gives them like that, that second tier that not only did they make the final four, but then they backed it up with an elite eight and they had, you know, just barely lost to North Carolina to go into their second final four in two years. Like that makes them amazing. Well, similar situation with the Peach Bowl last year. Right. Des got him into a New Year's Six Bowl. Come what made this year. And if he finishes the job, got to finish a job. That's what it's all about. If he finishes the job and gets them into either a New Year's Six or gets them in. How about I I this stood out to me today. I had to I had to do it from home, but I watched the press conference today. And Des said, championships aren't won in week one and week six. Yep. Championships are won in week 13 and week 15. Mm-hmm. He said it. He said it. Well, th- he said it. Same, that's the same Desmond Ritter who, as everyone's talking about him being a Heisman candidate, doesn't give a shit that he has no stats last week while Jerome Ford runs all over UCF. And he's happy because that it made his job easier. Because that's, that's who what Desmond the Ritter is. Gave him. That's what exactly. the defense gave him. They put five guys in the box, and Des said, you guys are idiots. <laughs> Here you go, Rome. Right. But 
week. That's the first time. That's the first time we've really heard anyone in this program speak about week 15. And the only way you get to week 15 is to play for the title. And he also said, he also mentioned uh, that he was, you know, I guess after the game, he was up in the, with the coaches or up in the, and he, he said, you know, how's it feel to be, how's it feel to be number two? And they all, you know, kind of, you know, no different what he said. Good. You know, that's, that's where we want to be at. Yeah. You know, I, we, we can all be there too. It doesn't mean anything. He like, said he checked with the coaches and yeah. asked the coaches, what's it mean to you guys? And the coaches were like, like doesn't mean yeah. shit. And he was like, that's what I want to hear. All right. And it's like, like, and fickle, fickle touched on it too, that there's leadership at, at every, every level, level from, from the defense, the offense to the special teams that there, there are leaders everywhere. And that's, I mean, that's what you need. That's what you've got to build to have the success to be there in week 15. You know what's beautiful? I've noticed over these 30 minutes or so when I was only supposed to do 15 or 20, but Thank she's you. sleeping and I haven't woke her up yet. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to rock the boat. Thank you. It was a great compliment. I appreciate that. Points that Jeff has made, points that Aaron has made, points that Ed has made. Everybody else has smiled because it's like, yeah. Like this is real. This is this is actually happening. This isn't a gimmick. This isn't bullshit. This is legit. Like this team is one of the best teams in the country. For sure. And the country might not know it yet. They might like there's there's people that realize it. There's people that don't. But this is one of the best teams in the country. Keep winning and... by twenty plus. But yes, yes. Like, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just the realization of like UC football has entered itself into that conversation. It has entered itself into that picture. Yeah. They forced themselves into that picture to say, nah, man, this isn't flash in the pan. We got elite dudes. Like we got guys all over the field that are better than your guys. And that's how you do it. That's how you do it. It isn't, you know, we might, and, and 09 did this towards the back end of that season because, like, you know, the defense faltered where they were winning games 45 to 43. And as it stands, this team, every game has been double digits. Every game has been comfortable. Like, uh, Indiana, not uh, Indiana, I wouldn't call comfortable, but like, for the most part, this team is taking everybody and saying, we're better than you. We have better guys. We have a better game plan. We have better execution. We have a better understanding of what you're trying to take away and what we're going to exploit. And it's it's wild because that's that's only something that we've ever seen with UC basketball. Right, that's we saw that with UC basketball at the peak of the Huggins era. We saw it a lot with Mick, uh, even though there still was kind of that one flaw of like, if you got into a shootout, were you going to be able to win the shootout? Like, if a game got into the upper seventies and lower eighties, were you going to like? That was the one knock on Mick is is if a game got to that point, were you going to be able to like, like really break out of the rock fight? Yeah, really, like, you know, embrace that type of game when it presented itself. What we're seeing from this UC team is 
It doesn't matter. You want to run, they're going to shut you down. You want to throw, they're going to shut you down. It's hard to you throw wanna, when you can only throw to half the field, and even that is dangerous. Well, you know, you've got a, another NFL guy on the other side, and that's not even talking about the fact that I think Arquan Bush is an NFL guy who's yeah. just been has been miscast as a slot corner, even though he's not a slot corner. He's an outside corner. He just has Kobe and Sauce, so he can't <laughs> play outside corner right now. Like, when you look at what slot corners normally look like, that's not Arquan Bush. Arquan Bush is an NFL outside corner. He just hasn't had the chance to play the role of NFL outside corner, because, and except for the Peach Bowl, where he was pretty good outside of George Pickens catching, like, three deep balls, like, at his fingertips over the top of the defense because he didn't have safety help that he probably should have had. Like, All right, Chad. All right. Well, you You've I got go. I was gonna say you've been here for forty-five <laughs> minutes. Don't literally push you out of here. Jeff will continue to just pepper you with questions until you're here for another half hour. So get out of here. Enjoy Do the rest thing. of your evening. Thank you for I, this I, visit. I needed to rant because the like the Galloway oh, yeah. thing got me pissed off, and yeah. you know, sometimes you guys are gonna have to deal with this on Tuesday, where I don't have another <laughs> outlet to rant somewhere. So I'd have to come here and do it. Uh, I stayed away last week. (laughs) And I didn't see Vanini. How'd Vanini go? I love Chris. Good. We did did touch on the Joey Galloway thing with Vanini. And we we definitely, uh, we we discussed, you know, his Cincinnati cuisine experience. We discussed Nipper. We discussed, uh, uh, because he doesn't stay in the press box the whole time when he's doing a a stadium visit, which was interesting. No, he he bounces around, yeah. He wanders, yeah. Um, but no, he, he was good. He was good. And then we talked wrestling and Ed was in his wheelhouse. So. <laughs> he's, he's a huge wrestling guy. Like they have a, a like he, he runs the, yeah, the podcast on the athletic for wrestling. So we did our homework. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad you guys got all that in. Chris is a good dude. So, um, yeah. all right, uh, go talk some Bengals and, uh, don't talk Reds. Nobody wants to be depressed. No, no there's, there's, about the there's no red. There's no Reds talk. Right what? Now. You're not talking about the Reds. All right. We'll talk about some UC baseball. <laughs> Say that. You son of a bitch. <laughs> what did you say, Ed? I said we'll talk some UC baseball. Oh. <laughs> we did so, get some UC basketball in there. so Well, uh... we did. And I, I was going to ask you guys, um, because we saw that the, the season launches in 21 days. So yep. we got to see Melvin Levitt and we got to see James White. White. Uh, Melvin was posting pictures and social media of the two of them together um, to, to, you know, just embrace the 21 days as that was both of their numbers. Uh, but we've talked about it on our, on BBP. Um, who do you want to be the starting five in 21 days when, when this all, it, I, I'm going to keep asking you as we evolve ever closer, but they are talking about Victor. I mean, if you didn't listen to the BBP Locked last in. night, Victor, Victor locked in. Locked in. Um, that, that's, that's what I want to call him. Um, but he's apparently looking like the number 23 best of all UC history well, since they've been recording it on 24-7. Um, the 23rd best recruit of, of UC's history on 24-7. Um, but who do you want to see? My top five, and feel free to argue if you want. I have Ado at the five. Yep. 
Davenport at the four, Newman at the three, DeJulius at the two, and Mikey at the one. Not to be confused with Micah. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I I think I agree with that. There's so many new players in this team that it's like, and I think you guys touched on it last night. You know, pe- people upset about our rankings or whatever. We don't know what this team looks like. We don't. We've never seen. Okay, national media has seen Coach West Miller coach, but we have never seen Coach West Miller coach. There are players from you know his old school. There's players from the draft portal. Uh, there's, I mean, the, the transfer year. portal. I mean, I mean, you know, Mason. We know Mikey. We know Rob Bank. Well, we don't Davenport. really know Rob Banks, but we know mm-hmm. Davenport. We know Micah Adams Woods. These other guys, I'm, you know. But we don't know them in, in West Miller's scheme. Well, that's true as well. We don't know them in, in that scheme. I was going to say, we touched on it a couple of weeks ago when, when Chad came on that, mm-hmm. you know, they're at Basketball 101. Yeah. The, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they have to, you know, they're going through not only implementing the scheme, but seeing where everybody that, that they've brought in, that they've kind of mixed together is going to fit with uh with each other uh, I, I think probably putting together any any starting five is is really a crapshoot and I, I mean I don't see anything yeah. wrong with the five that that you put together I I mean I like Mikey I, th- I think Mikey is just gonna explode this year uh, we saw flashes of it last year uh, with his speed and, and ability to to handle the ball without turning it over, with that luscious mane just uh, I mean, flying just, behind him, Ed loves his luscious mane apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, I, I just uh, yeah. And, and who was it last week? Was uh, just Justin Williams brought up uh, Abdul Ado? Yeah, like, I guess he's he's impressing. Um, so, um. I'm excited to see maybe get some feedback from some of these. Yeah, you know, I guess Indiana backed out of whatever super secret meeting they were gonna have, which wasn't secret after Woodson announced it. Which and then makes it all the more weird. Yeah, that exactly. they backed out of it. Uh, and then I guess what they went up to Detroit and played played a little deal up there. They're going to. Um, I don't know. So I, like I, I'm interested to kind of get a little more reports. Obviously, I haven't. I haven't been to any practices. Yeah, I mean, you've uh, seen them practice, you know, at the open gym or whatever. So you got a little bit of a, a more insight. I like your starting five. I really do. I think it's a solid starting five. I think it's probably what we're going to see uh, coming out, you know, in 22, 21 days. Um, but it's it, like I said before, it's just gonna, it's uh, people are upset about the rankings and everything, but we don't know yet. We don't know. We and we felt this two years ago with uh, with. Um, you know, that guy who won't be named. Um, but I'm excited. I'm excited as hell about it. Well, there was one game that was played this weekend in Detroit, as we're talking about Detroit, and that was the Cincinnati Bengals traveling to Detroit to take on the Detroit Lions. Yes. And they stomped the Lions out. And is that something? Let me ask you this question because I brought this up to to some people. Bengals teams of old that we thought this is a good team, right? This is a team that's maybe going places, right? They would go 
and they would play a team like the Lions, and what would happen? We'd be biting our nails. Exactly. We'd be biting our nails to the end, and we'd win by a certainly not a, a walk-off field goal for most of the times, but you know, a, a touchdown, whatever. It there'd be something that would happen at the end of the game. We'd pull it off by the skin of our teeth. This Bengals team went in. It's a little slow to start, but then imposed their will across the the remainder of the game and did what they were supposed to do, which was beat an inferior team. This is still a Bengals team that I feel is rebuilding and is putting pieces together, but is coming together much quicker than I expected they would and is kind of turning some heads across the country and across you know the league as far as being a good football team and one that a lot of these other teams don't want to see on Sunday. I would agree. I would agree. Well, I was I mean, I worried. Think- I think somebody... No, he asked us about the UCF game. Um, but you're right, 100%. Like, this is one of those teams that... You're- this is supposed to be one of those games that you're supposed to win, and then normally we'd come out and shit the bed with it. And we said the same thing about the Thursday night game against the Jaguars, right? Well, at least I did, that, you know, I was afraid, you know, we're supposed to beat the Jaguars, but it's a Thursday night primetime game, and who knows what's going to happen. And we came out and pulled that one off, too. Um, I, I'm trying... So I found myself, and I thought this is where you're going with this one, Jeff. I found myself today saying, when does the bottom fall out on this team? Like, when do we say, oh, there's the Bengals that we know? And, you know, looking at the schedule, I'm not sure that's coming up anytime soon. I mean, I think we kind of saw that fall out against against the Bears, right? Like, they they did not play well against the Bears. They didn't. And then they... When they decided to play well, they ran out of time. Right? I mean, it was yeah, correct. Just yeah. a we, bad game. It yeah. was just a bad game. Well, this defense looks way different than they looked against Chicago as well. That, Logan Wilson's coming into his own. <sighs> Logan um, Wilson is so good. Our safeties are playing like arguably the, the best safety tandem in the league between Von Bell and uh, the uh, what's the best safety we have? The guy, best safety in the league. I can't remember his name right now. Think about it. Think about it, Aaron. You I'm can do struggling. this. I'm, I'm, there's been a lot happening tonight, and I'm also simultaneously searching for current NBA players that are that were Bearcats over here. Why? But uh, oh, Jeff didn't know either. That's why he wanted me to think about it. He I know. <laughs> we talk about Bates? Yes, Jesse Bates. Okay, all right. That's what I thought. So, all right. Yeah. I I was thinking Bates the whole time. I was just making sure. When 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 Aaron was listening it off, it was in my head, and then he went blank, and I looked at him, and I was like, "Oh no!" I also just went blank, <laughs> and so then I wanted Aaron to fix it. But yeah, it. no. Bates and Bell have been playing as arguably the best safety tandem in the league. Um, the the linebackers finally are starting to look like linebackers. Between uh, Akeem, what is it, uh, Akeem Davis? Is it Akeem Davis or Akeem Gaithers? I can't tell you. You're really, you're really messing with me tonight, Aaron. That's fine. That's fine. You're throwing so many names all in one hat. But, uh, I mean, and Pratt and and Logan Wilson, 
they're looking good. The defensive line's looking great between Reader and uh, Trey Hendrickson is looking fantastic. Okay, can we talk? Can we talk about Hendrickson absolutely dominating Sewell? Well, that was the next point that I was going to make. Is 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 it time to put to rest the Sewell yes. over Chase? Yes, like, I don't think okay. you can make that argument Look, anymore. And, and, and here's the thing: is Sewell may eventually become a very very good lineman. He settled in towards the end of the game. And I know like PFF graded him out as like their best offensive player, at all, like lineman during that game, some nonsense. But I thought that, right, PFF he got, sometimes. He got, he got yeah. destroyed early yeah. on. Yeah. Trey Hendrickson bullied him on, on seemingly every down. Like there was a highlight I would look and there would be Sewell with his arms up like this and Hendrickson was already by him. So he looked great when the game was out of hand. That's, That's fantastic. Right. Well done. And, but apparently that counts into your PFF grade. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> okay. Like. Okay. He, he, and, and then the, the really funny tired joke that everybody made all day long was <laughs> Jamar Chase is a better blocker than, than Sewell after Jamar Chase. And, and I can't made wait the lead for block I, to get, to oh. get Mixon into the end zone. And Absolutely. I can't, I can't wait for the, Jamar Chase mic'd up to get released Looking that the Bengals that. did, even though they released like some little clips like after see that, that play. See that blue over he there? Was, like, he, when he was, he's like sitting on the bench and he was like, oh, it's like a tight end out there. Did you see that? I was like a tight end out there. <laughs> oh, and I have Mixon that clip. Like, man, that, Mixon was like, man, that, that that's his, that's his touchdown, man. That's his touchdown because he, I, I don't know who the defensive back was because I don't, I'm not a Lions fan. But he just, he took him to the woodshed. He shoved him down and then pushed his head back down on the ground so that Mixon could complete his hurdle into the end zone. I showed my son, I showed my son that clip and I said, when you play, when they line you up out there, that's what you're supposed to do. Here's the play. Go ahead and play it out. Trey Flowers is out leveraging. Turn off the audio. He's turning it and then boom. Right on 25. I mean, it was just, it was a, a fantastic block. I mean, it, it's, it's what was needed there. And it, it goes to show you that, you know, Chase isn't just somebody that can, that just learned how to catch a football. It was fantastic. And again, like I said, I think it's time to finally put that completely to rest. If it wasn't already with him being arguably the, I don't even know that it's arguable at this point. He's, he's the rookie of the year. I don't. I don't think there's anyone close no. to him that 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 is rookie of the year. Uh, you you can you can get the. There. Yeah, I didn't know. So I forgot to hit stop sharing. But yeah, he's he's the rookie of the year, and there's there's really no contest. Uh, the Bengals are sitting right now at four and two, and they're. Can we talk about somebody else real quick that had quite the game? Go on. Chris Evans. Oh, you mean Captain America? Is is he? I saw some talk on on Twitter that he should be solidified as RB two. I think that that's well. Well, people. Well, here's the thing: is Piran's not been bad, but I think that Chris Evans is literally even in his interviews emulating Gio Bernard. He said he wants to be the blocker that Gio was. He has looked at that that part of Gio's game. He's watched the film and he picked his brain while Gio was still here after he got drafted in that regard. So he understands that you have to be able to put
put up that block when you are, you know, on the field in that position. So yeah, he's he's setting himself up to be moving into that juvenile role. Keep catching the ball, dude. I mean, that's I mean, if you got the hands that Geo has, then and you can block the way that Geo was blocking, and people are already talking about he had some fantastic blocks in that game. That's that's your spot to lose then. And well, P Ryan, P Ryan's not been bad when P Ryan's been in, but P Ryan's not got the the he's he's not he's not a, a young spring chicken, if you will. I mean, he's he's got some mileage on him and he's I don't know. I think this is Chris Evans' spot to lose at RB2. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, say- I don't have I, I like that, you know. I mean, there's always that that crazy little stat that pops up, and obviously it was college, but you know, Samaj P. Ryan did have the uh, the uh, college record for you know he's not a bad he's not a bad running back, and it's no. not it, it's not a bad running back room. It's um, not a knock on him. It's just a- no, no, no. And some of the, some of the stuff that I saw on Twitter w- was clearly written as a knock on on P. Ryan, which is just absolutely absurd. Um, he's filled uh, in fantastic with sure. being out. And when you've got a guy out, I mean, we've seen it in Minnesota. We've seen it in uh, Baltimore. We've seen it in several places around the NFL this year where if a guy goes down, who you got? And you need to make sure that you have somebody who's capable of stepping in. And much like we talked about earlier this this podcast, with Cincinnati having guys not waiting in the wings but ready to step into the role, I think you have a guy like that in Samaje Pirine who can step into the role. No, he's not going to be Joe Mixon. He's not advertised as Joe Mixon, but right. he's capable of handling the role. So I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't feel nearly as comfortable in games going in with Samaj P. Ryan, but I'm also not thinking that we're going to fall on our face and wondering, scrambling, where are we going to get a running back from if Mixon goes down? So I guess we're I guess we're all past the you know there there was quite a, a stir of uh of sadness when they kind of let Geo go well yeah uh, but it it's it, Evans it's, looks good kind of makes sense at this point uh and the, and the Bengals do look good and they uh I'm excited to see the uh the mic'd up from Jamar Chase and there's great chemistry there uh obviously uh they they built it beforehand and are continuing on it um I'm excited the to the see team the team is but I'm excited to see the game on Sunday Sunday they take on the the first place Ravens. We're one game behind them in the standings right now. The Ravens sit at an an unbelievable fashion. Somehow they only have one loss, sitting at five and one. Bengals are right now at four and two, and this game is for first place. And I think that both teams are going to bring their A game. And I don't like that the national media is running with Logan Wilson and not getting the whole. They're not even getting the whole quote where they didn't add. They didn't add the most key word. No, they're they're trying to run with the narrative. Whoever that, that he, I don't know who Dove or whoever that that person was. He's verified, so maybe he's you know got some following, which is a, a shame that he has a following and he wants to try. And then then he just like tweeted the same like response to everybody that tried to call him out on it. And it's like, come on, like don't don't try and put a storyline where there's not a storyline. It is very clearly it was very clearly a compliment. And Logan Wilson even responded to the tweet and said like you're out of your mind like yeah i i said he is a running back that also plays quarterback because also because he can do both 
at a high level, and that's well, what even, makes him dynamic even and Stephen difficult a, to cover. Even on Stephen A's show today, they were talking about it. Like, they had a whole segment on it where it was Logan Wilson says that he's the best running back in the NFL, and that was where they left it, and that was where the argument was. And it was like, that's not even what he said. Like, I mean, it was what he said, but it, that wasn't the whole quote. Like, you're taking it out of connotation. I don't know. I don't, I don't like when people run with some bullshit quotes as – their headline, but, that's, but that's what it comes back to is, is they they would never try to set somebody up from the Steelers with a quote like that or somebody from Tom the Brady. Patriots or Tom Brady, you know, maybe the Patriots now because they don't have Tom Brady, but you get what I'm saying. They, yeah. The darlings of the NFL, they would not try. The Bengals are still looked upon as, you know. Redheaded the, stepchildren. Right. And, and it's ridiculous. And, you know, they... I think that they are playing a very good football at this point, uh, much better than I thought that they would be able to play at this point of the season. Um, I only had them pegged at about eight or nine wins at, at the very most, and um, I think that they might be able to eclipse that. I, I really do. This, regardless of the outcome against the Ravens, following that game, you play the Jets at New York. Following that game, the Browns right now I think have about – half their roster on some type of injury watch. Baker Baker Mayfield has Baker, one arm. He looked dead. So the, the, they're they're very injured. I think they honest to God have like 18 players on on the injury list right now. And we play them on November 7th uh, after the Jets game. And then we have the Raiders who are still figuring things out in a post John Gruden era without getting into any of that. Uh, and then we take we take on the Steelers again before we face the Chargers. So of those games, there's really only two games I'm thoroughly concerned about. And the only reason the Browns aren't a third team there that I'm thoroughly concerned about is because of the injuries. So we'll see what happens with all of that. But the Bengals are kind of sitting in a driver's seat right now in the AFC North. And uh, maybe maybe in the passenger seat. We'll say in the passenger seat until they overtake the race. They're not in the sidecar anymore, I can tell you that. Yeah, they're they're not in the in the trailer hitched to the to the back of the truck, right? Or anything like that. So, uh, kudos to a Bengals team that's still trying to figure things out because I don't think that we've seen the best of what their offense can produce, as nope. we've we've talked at length about, and I don't necessarily want to get into that again tonight as we're already over two hours. So, yep. we were approaching. That. I know Aaron had uh, a bum of the week that he wanted. to Oh, wait a minute. On. Hold on now. I'm sorry, we're, we're approaching two hours. We're not quite at two hours, but yes. Ed, you've already had your AEW time. No, nope. This is that's not nope. I took notes. All right, you better talk fast because we're going to give you. This is this is something that uh that this is something that the Dan Levitard show does with uh, the girl who talks FS1 racing. They give her sixty seconds to try and rapid talk about as much as she can. So we'll give you sixty seconds. Okay. To talk can I, about can I get a little bit more than sixty seconds? No, you I'm, get I'm, sixty seconds. I'm, I'm okay. filibustering you right now to get your thoughts together, get your notes together. I have my notes, are right here. My, uh, hang on, I'm getting my timer out. I'm allowing you to try and collect yourself while I kind of filibuster here. But we are going to give you can I, sixty seconds. Real quick before you start the timer, I watched the AEW rampage from Friday night while I was in 
in uh, Chattanooga, and I just wrote down some notes about the three matches. I wrote down the three matches, who won, and some thoughts that went through my head. These aren't thoughts that you guys need to answer. These are thoughts that you guys should just think about after you listen to the podcast. Let me know when I get to go. We talked about it earlier. We teased it earlier, so we're going to give Ed is 60 seconds of AEW talk, and I think we should continue the segment here to like forward, it. where I, we just give him 60 seconds well, now to I know only 60 as seconds. much out as he can, because I think this is fantastic. But your, your time starts now. Okay, so CM, CM Punk started the night out by defeating Matt Sedell and extending his undefeated streak to 4-0 in AEW. Some thoughts I had during the match. Um, where are the signs from the fans? What happened to those? Second, why such a large Pepsi logo on CM Punk's arm? Don't understand that. Next match was Ruby Soho defeats the Bunny. Why is there a person named the Bunny? But thoughts I had. Uh, this These people will never be Luna Vachon. Uh, where's Sonny and Sable at these days? Got no clue. Uh, why does Ruby... Uh, kind of look like Rihanna. That's a good question I had. And uh, Soho got attacked at the end, which I thought was pretty so- shitty. I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, uh, the next match was like um like some guys, some groups. Okay, the Inner Circle versus America's Top Team. Uh, thoughts I had. Oh, by the way, America's Top Team won. Um, why does the Inner Circle not come out to Bad Boys? think about that one um i thought that uh chris jericho had a podcast now um this sumney kid he is pretty good and, and Paige van zandt i thought she was an mea hold on hold on hold on, hold on, hold on. just give me one more Paige van zandt i thought she was an mma fighter he's muted he does not get to go over his 60 seconds aaron gave him 60 no Paige van zandt i thought she was an mma fighter checks the internet yes she is all right. Ed, also, so forward, um, just so you know, this is how we're gonna do this segment every time. That was my. I think that was, that, was, that was that was a lot of fun. Actually, I enjoyed it. That was fantastic. Whatever your next thought is, save it for next week. You'll have sixty more seconds to dump as much AW. If we get to talk about John Moxley, as you can. Holy shit, that was fantastic. All right, we have expanded past Cincinnati sports notes. Play, play me the bum of the week, please. Oh, I didn't get that ready. Can you filibuster oh, for that, too? I can. Of course I can filibuster. Uh, we already did talk about Joey Galloway, so I'm not going to bring that up as maybe you can give the, week, the Maybe you can give the, uh, the, the social media credentials. Um, for what? Us. Um, you can find us on <laughs> Twitter at PTP Podcast Cincy. You can find me at ac smith 37 ed at two chins with a z cincy with an i for some reason unbeknownst to me um jeff went the same route with at cincy with an i uh fan 500 it's like they haven't lived here all their lives it's just absolutely wild but i'm still like tears on my face right now that i haven't actually been able to wipe because of how funny that whole segment was that was fantastic I, it's I, where did all the signs go? <laughs> I didn't know. Like, why is that Pepsi logo so big on his arm? I, love I, to, I would, lo- I would love to live inside Ed's head. I don't know, just briefly uh, hear about all the things. Like, I just imagine Ed's like driving down the road and he sees things and like, oh, it's interesting. I just, I want, I want that segment to be a staple here to forward. Please Why don't we just call it Ed? Me. We'll just call it Ed's sixty seconds. Ed, you get sixty seconds to talk about whatever you want. Jeez. Hopefully, it's wrestling more because that was funny. 
I got the. I'll I got it. Because you're treated right. like a damn bum, you know that? Bum. A bum! You are a bum! You're a bum! And that's all you'll ever be! A bum! Well, that hurts, man. All right, so, like I said, Joey Galloway could have been the bum of the week, but we brought it up several times throughout the show for guest reasons, which made perfect sense. So, the next bum of the week, has to be the I mean the Philadelphia 76ers are dealing with some absolutely crazy crazy things right now and the team hates him it doesn't make sense what he's trying to do Gary no not Gary Clark oh good I don't, actually there's no, I don't know that there's any current Bearcats in the NBA right now but ben simmons shows up to practice in sweatpants with his cell phone in his pocket and he's asked to do a defensive exercise he refuses and this is after he's like pretty much not reported to the team up until today today was his first practice back so he's asked to go do a defensive exercise cell phone in pocket wearing sweatpants on the court refuses and the coach doc rivers has to ask him to leave He's being, he's being suspended for a game. He's already asked for a trade, so he doesn't even want to be there and because the team is very upset because of his playoff performance. Can't hit a three to save his life. As a point guard, that's not a good thing. But I don't know if you guys know anything about any of the situation going on, but to go from I don't want to be here, final report at the end of camp as – the season starts tonight, hence Ed wearing all of his NBA garb at the same time, including a Gary Clark jersey. It's not all of it. I also have a Bulls hat and a Pacers hat. So so what, what would you guys do if you supported a team where a guy asked for a trade, they finally talk him into coming back, he comes back, then just refuses to participate in practice, is wearing – instead of shorts, like basketball shorts for practice, he's wearing sweatpants, cell phone in pocket. They ask him to leave. And then Joel Embiid, arguably the leader of the team, says, I have no respect for that man. I don't really care what they do with him at this point. He has no trade value, even though he's being paid roughly $30 million a year. What do you do in a situation like this? What you do is you wait for a former assistant to become the head coach on a team wherein you want some picks from them. Then you send him there. Oh, much like the Bengals did with Carson Palmer. Is that what you're referencing? I think that's what you're referencing. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. Like when when a grown man doesn't want to be somewhere to play a sport to make millions of dollars at whatever team he's on, like I've got nothing for you. Well, and there's there's so much player empowerment now that there wasn't when we were kids growing up watching the sport because of how much money they make. Truthfully. Like when it when a star doesn't want to be somewhere and he wants to be just kind of an asshole to the organization because he doesn't want to be there because you've made him feel like shit. I don't know what you do. Like they benched the starter in the middle of the playoffs, a starter who helped get you to the playoffs, mind you, and just doesn't want to be there anymore. So because you benched him in the most trying time of the season. So I don't know. Pretty wild. But that's my bum of the week because the fuck do you do with that? 
Uh, it, you, I don't think there's anything you can do with that, to be honest with you. There's, there's, there's no, there's like, no, re, there's no repercussions. There's nothing you can do outside of. They suspended him for a game. Okay, like, so you suspend. Conduct, I mean, but, conduct detrimental to the team. Right. Okay. Does he get paid for that? Like, is he still no, get paid? I don't think you get paid for that. So, he, so oh, he loses sucks. a little paycheck there. I mean, maybe that's maybe going after the pockets is about all you can do. But then at some point, I'm sure the union steps in and says. You can't keep. You can't just keep doing that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how their stuff works, but it'll be pretty interesting to see how that plays out. I'm just really happy that it's happening in Philadelphia because they're not a team that I really like. Well, it couldn't happen here because we don't have an NBA team. There is that, but I'm just. It's just nice to see like Cincinnati. The the Bengals aren't the most dysfunctional team at this point in time in all of sports as they've not, been recognized. Bengals aren't, I mean, if you were to talk about, I mean, you, can say, you can say all of sports, but even within the NFL, the Bengals aren't the most dysfunctional would team. Would you say the most dysfunctional, would you say the most dysfunctional team in the city of Cincinnati right now is probably FC Cincinnati? A hundred percent. There's no other. I mean, even, even have, taking the Reds into account. team still? I, I guess. Does even have a team? There's still a stadium down there. Let's TQL's fired them. No, they they lost to Orlando on Saturday at TQL. Hey, we just brought back FC Cincinnati to the podcast. It's over. All right, that's that's, shut it down. We did it. That's how we leave. So this was another episode of Pardon the Punctuation. Thanks for sticking around with us for two hours. If you did, I am Aaron Smith, best producer. Over there, Ed is over here, Um, and and Jeff Howell. He. Just really enjoyed his time with Chad Brendel tonight. <laughs> Chad Brendel, surprise guest. And Chris Vanini did his thing. We appreciate you both. But I'm Aaron Smith. And again, this was part of the punctuation. We'll see you. Bye. Ba-dum-bum. <laughs>